TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host... Always a pleasure, always a treat to have Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad with us. He is chair of the Department of Medicine, chief infectious diseases and hospital epidemiologist at Mount Sinai in South NASA, associate rabbi, Young Israel of Woodmere. Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad, thank you for joining us again. Thank you. It's always my pleasure. So things are changing, moving slowly than we thought. So I know there's a concerted effort right now to push vaccination. There's also a concerted effort for those that oppose vaccinations and in the Jewish community where they're also becoming more vocal. So what's happening? All of a sudden we're seeing renewed effort, both the vaccination that supported those that support and those that oppose it. So I, I, I can't really I have no information about people that are opposing vaccines and what they're doing. Can only present you the scientific information as we best know it, evidence-based medicine, and I can only tell you that all of the evidence is not any evidence to support the vaccines aren't extremely effective and that they remain extremely safe. That doesn't mean that they're perfect. People misunderstand and think that if a vaccine is not perfect, it, it must not be good. But the data suggests that the vaccines have saved hundreds of thousands of lives and they continue to do so they're preventing when you look at the numbers they prevent so many cases of hospitalization and of serious complications of hospitalization you never have people dying in hospitals in the united states because they're unvaccinated they could have had a vaccine that would have prevented them from being in the hospital and and never they didn't take it now i'm not here to castigate anyone i'm not here to blame anyone. I'm telling you the scientific facts. If you're vaccinated, the chances of you getting sick and being intubated or heaven forbid dying are far, far, far lower than if you're not vaccinated. Again, that doesn't mean that there won't be some breakthrough infections, especially as you get older and further from the time that you got vaccinated, there is a need for booster shots. And that's clearly been demonstrated in Eretz Yisrael. That's clearly been demonstrated in uh, data presented to the FDA and the CDC, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, which is why they agreed that a second, uh, a, a, a third dose, a, a, an additional dose is appropriate in certain people, not in everybody, but in certain people. And I think that this, again, has been shown for the data from Eretz Yisrael to be extremely helpful in preventing Serious complications, including death in patients. And, uh, you know, what more can we ask for from a vaccine to do? Now, what is the, in your professional opinion, if people are doubly vaccinated and everybody in a room has that vaccination protection, does one still need to wear a mask? So, again, it's, it's a hard question to answer in the abstract. I can only try in general to tell people increased risk or decreased risk. It is impossible to ever guarantee, even in the room of all vaccinated people, that somebody hasn't recently been exposed to a patient with COVID and that they are currently potentially a carrier and 
even though they may be asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic, they could be a carrier and be potentially contagious. But when you look at the odds, the likelihood of somebody, in fact, in that situation, getting sick if they've been vaccinated, and certainly if they're vaccinated with a booster shot, the likelihood of that person getting sick to require hospitalization or, or, or worse is extremely low. On the other hand, if you're dealing with a group of people that you don't know their vaccination status, you're dealing with people that have not been careful and they have been exposed to people, and certainly if you're dealing with people that are potentially symptomatic, even though I'm vaccinated, I would wear a mask in that room indoors because why put myself at any risk, even if it's a relatively small risk, would be my philosophy. If an individual chose, unfortunately, to ignore that, and put themselves at risk. So then they're putting themselves at risk. It may not be a large risk, but that's an individual choice that they've chosen to make. Because I'm sure you're getting lots of questions from shuls. Shuls have been struggling. Number one, do you require people to attend services only that have been doubly vaccinated? What happens if you're not vaccinated? Do they put them in a separate corner? Do they make them wear masks? Do they make everybody wear masks? So these are issues that that you see. In fact, some shuls that have been very strict, people have voted to go to a different shul where they're more lax. I've seen that happen. So these are all issues that shuls are struggling with. So what we've tried to do at our shul is to try to accommodate everybody. We certainly want people to feel comfortable dominating in the shul. So we have outdoor minyanin still. We have indoor minyanin. We have different types of uh, minyan in terms of the size of the rooms. We have policies that if you're not vaccinated, you must be masked inside the shul. If you're vaccinated, you have a choice. If you wish to mask, you can. We have um, additional policies in place in terms of guests coming into the shul. We have, again, tried to make things as accommodating to all so nobody is either worried about davening in a minute or feel that it's too strict for them to be able to dive in an offshore. And at the same time, we have an obligation to try to keep everyone safe. Certainly, an individual who's made a choice not to get vaccinated, I think they're incorrect. I think they're making a mistake. That's their choice. But then they also have to follow what's safe for everybody else. And if the majority of the shul wishes, the rub of the shul, I should say, with his medical advisory committee and based upon what the shul wants, wishes everyone not vaccinated to have to wear a mask, so then that person has to wear a mask in that shul. That's the rules of the shul. That's what the, the public health of that shul wishes to create. If another shul were not to make that decree, so then the people davening in that shul will be aware of that, and then they can make their decision to daven there or not daven there based upon how safe they feel. They're, they're, at this point in time, I don't think it's capable to make one policy that's across the United States, across the world, there are different situations in every community. There are different levels of disease in every community. There are different levels of vaccination in every community. Now, Baruch Hashem, in most of the shuls in my neighborhood, I believe most of the rabbis tell me that the vast, vast majority of the people in the shuls are vaccinated. So, you know, Baruch Hashem, that creates a safer environment for everybody, including the people that aren't vaccinated. But that's not the ideal way to go. The ideal way to go is to really have everyone who could be vaccinated, vaccinated, and that makes things safer for everybody. Again, people have to understand it's not perfect. You still will have some cases. But Baruch Hashem, Riyayin Hara, 
we haven't had any serious illness that I'm aware of in our shul during recent time. And I'm not aware in, in our communities that are following these basic ideas of having serious illness. I hope it stays that way. I don't want to don't want to suggest that uh, if you don't follow these rules, you're going to get sick, Rahman but we do have an obligation in the Shemach and this is the best guidance that I can give. Individuals are given guidance in general by doctors and Rabbanim about health and how one should act. Everybody should follow their Rav. Everybody should follow the best medical advice that's available, and people need to understand that it's never going to be perfect. So I'm glad to hear that. I think in your area, in the five towns, there's been little incidents of COVID, or at least those of over there. I didn't, say, I, 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 didn't, I didn't say that. I said little incidents of significant hospitalization and illness. There is a decent amount, unfortunately, of new COVID cases. The Baruch are mostly wild. Many people are utilizing uh, monoclonal antibody infusions if the Rachmaninoff gets sick, or sometimes even if appropriate, if they've been exposed. We have an extremely, Baruch Hashem, good vaccination rate in our community. And all of those factors contribute to less serious complications. But there are still younger children that can't get vaccinated. They're not yet at the age of 12. And in addition, there are people that have chosen not to get vaccinated. And then there are breakthrough cases, even if people are vaccinated. So there still is much more COVID incidents in our community than we would like to have it, as in almost all communities. Baruch Hashem, the numbers seem to be getting better across the country for many of the reasons that I've mentioned. Which is wonderful. Hopefully I'll continue. There's a talking about a new yes, pill coming sure. out, right? Yes. Uh, Malnupiravir is a, a new medication that there is uh, significant evidence that's presented in Phase 3 trials that shows that it, yes, it's Hashem, can be an effective agent to treat early covid Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glad is our guest. He's chair of the Department of Medicine, Chief Infectious Diseases and Hospital at the Mount Sinai South Nassau Associate Rabbi Young Israel of Woodmere. Now, you mentioned about getting the, the booster shot. Now, if one gets a booster shot, so they have basically three shots, again, as a precaution, do they still have to wear a mask or not in the shul, in your professional opinion? So or public gathering? Again, I don't think there's a single simple answer that fits all situations. You can, again, always try to minimize the risk as best as possible, and that's all that we can ever do. We have to do our hishtadus to minimize the risk. Uh, it never can uh, maximize uh, tefillah. It, it can always dive in more. And at the same time, we have to live our lives, and we have to try to make them as normal as possible. So a person who has received, and we, we talk about a third shot, for the J&J, it would only be potentially an additional second shot, and that's being looked at by the FDA this week. It's Hashem on Thursday and on Friday. They're going to talk about the Moderna and the J&J booster recommendations, and I, I do believe uh, that the advisory committee and the FDA will eventually authorize and recommend that an additional shot of both the Moderna to make it a third shot and a second shot of the J&J will be indicated for appropriate individuals again, must be stressed that patients right now who have gotten the full vaccinations with either the Moderna or Pfizer, the two shots, and the one shot of J&J are still tremendously protected, tremendously protected against serious illness and death. That cannot be stated loudly enough. However, 
there is a small percentage of those populations that won't get the full benefit from that two-dose regimen of the mRNA vaccines or the one-dose regimen of J&J. And for those populations, there is a benefit to getting an additional, what is called a booster shot. There are different reasons why that's true. It's not for uh, you know, a discussion in the late talk like this, but they definitely will be benefit for a significant number of people, especially older people. And older here, I would probably pick a cutoff of 50. And for people that have underlying medical conditions, and that includes a whole bunch of underlying medical conditions or immunosuppressive medications that somebody may be taking, and obesity, people that are above a certain uh, what's called uh, BMI. So the, uh, the reasons why somebody might need to take a booster shot will be different depending on your underlying medical conditions and especially your age and also how long ago you were vaccinated. If you were recently vaccinated, for the vast, vast majority of people, there's no reason to take an additional shot. But for some people, even if they're recently vaccinated, they're really not developing a good immune response because they have horrific Rahman cancer or immunosuppressive conditions that don't allow them to really get a great vaccine response. And those people need a third dose to get the better response. And about 50% of the people that don't respond to two doses will respond to a third dose. That's a separate select group of people that most of the time we're not talking about when we're dealing with the booster shots for healthier people when their immunity has waned over time. Now, what about people that still have high antibodies? Would they need to get a booster shot at this point in time, or should it wait until their antibodies decline in number? I think it's very important for people to realize this. This isn't a popular statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. We have no idea what antibodies mean. We all have taken care of patients who have high antibodies and come in with COVID. I had one yesterday. They have high antibodies, and yet they get COVID. Antibodies don't necessarily tell you that you have protection. They don't necessarily correlate with immunity. Likewise, you can have patients that have no antibodies that are detectable, and they still may, in fact, have significant immunity. And the official CDC recommendation, despite the fact that most doctors are ordering these antibodies like they were water, these antibodies have no clinical significance at this point in time. We don't know what they represent and what they mean. They're not standardized. Different laboratories, the numbers, people ask me, I have this number, that number. We don't know what it means. And the official expert opinion, and doctors need to be aware of this, the official expert opinion of the CDC and of the Mumchen, the real experts in infectious diseases and laboratory medicine, none of them recommend the routine antibody tests that are routinely being done by physicians and by patients. Those are the facts. People wish not to listen to me, that's their choice. But those are the facts. Those tests aren't of known value. I'm not saying that they're not of value. I'm saying they're not of known value. We don't know what to do with them. So if somebody is 75 years old and they were vaccinated more than six months ago and they tell me they have antibody, I would say, I still think you should take the vaccine. So a booster shot of the vaccine because they are in the highest risk group for people that are past uh, six months from their original uh, vaccine series. Whereas if somebody was 23 years old and healthy otherwise, and they were vaccinated uh, two months ago, and there's no underlying medical condition, and they have no antibodies detectable, I would say, I don't know why you got the antibody test ordered, but I wouldn't order another vaccine on you. I don't think that's appropriate. I think that's bad medical care to vaccinate such a patient. So 
So vaccines, indications, and when you should give two doses or three doses are medical decisions based upon the best evidence that we have, which at the present time doesn't include antibody testing. Wow. We were saying, because I heard from so many people saying I got tested and have high antibodies, or I had COVID, people said, and therefore I'm, I have a lot of antibodies, so I don't need to take another vaccine. So what you're saying is that that's, it re- as far as we know, it may not make a difference or as, at this point in time. So antibody testing is different than having had COVID. I point that out as well. So antibody testing isn't a clinical piece of information that we use to decide about vaccines. Having had recent COVID is different. I would not personally recommend that someone get vaccinated if they've had COVID within the last three months. The CDC doesn't say that that's wrong, but the CDC doesn't say that that's right. They don't have an opinion officially. They say you can get vaccinated as long as you're no longer contagious. I personally don't think that that's the optimal answer. I personally think that at least three months after you've had COVID, uh, in the first three months, the chances of you getting a second episode of COVID are almost zero. And even in the first six months after having had COVID, the likelihood of you getting COVID a second time is close to zero. So I personally don't rush to push vaccination in a person who recently had COVID until they're probably three to six months after their episode of COVID. That's different than a regulation or a law or a vaccine mandate that says that they need to be vaccinated. And that's a legal question, uh, an employment question. That's not a medical question. On the other hand, Mm -hmm. people that are more than six months beyond having had their COVID, I do think it's very appropriate, and I think there are data to support this, that they should get vaccinated. And there was a paper published in the MMWR that says that the Delta strain is highly contagious and that even people who had COVID were at a higher risk of getting a second episode of COVID with Delta than if they had been vaccinated. So it is important for people to realize that there are, again, as with everything with COVID, there are some subtle differences. You can't make these blanket statements. Everybody should get vaccinated right away. Everybody should not get vaccinated right away. But the vast majority of people would benefit greatly from being vaccinated in the appropriate setting, whether it's a third dose, whether it's uh, uh, for additional um, precaution in somebody who recently had COVID versus somebody who had COVID a long time ago. There may be differences in terms of how you would recommend vaccination in those patients. How concerned should we be about other variants aside from Delta? So we should be extremely concerned about them. At the present time, essentially 100% of the cases in the United States are Delta. Uh, but we have a very small amount of new, and there are some other variants that are around. Even within Delta, there are different variants within Delta. But at the same time, uh, the concern is that just like Delta came upon us very, very suddenly, the concern is that another strain that could be far worse than Delta could suddenly come a, could come upon us as well, and that would lead to tremendous problems. Right now, Delta still remains extremely uh, susceptible uh, to the vaccine. In other words, people who are vaccinated aren't going to run into major problems with Delta, but there are, unfortunately, breakthroughs, especially a milder illness, that make Delta a big concern. And that's why the need for the booster, potentially. Well, if the, we were to have a different uh-huh. strain, 
So then the concern would be that the vaccines might not be at all effective against the different strain. Right. So, that's, what yeah. I, that's what I read. They say that while for Delta may be effective for other strains, it may not be. If that, God forbid, happens, I think then we could be in for potentially some big, big problems. Well, that's the concern, and that's why we want to have, uh, you know, we want to stop the transmissal of COVID as much as we can by getting as many people vaccinated as possible and uh, preventing spread. People have this, this is something that's critically important for people to know. If you have symptoms, you could have COVID. And the fact that you're not ill and the fact that you had COVID in the past or had vaccination in the past doesn't mean that you still couldn't be a typhoid Mary, that you still couldn't be the one transmitting to other people around you who you love or our acquaintances in your work or in your in your shul or, or in your life. And you could be the person that got somebody else sick. You'll never know about it. You'll never necessarily have the dots connected. And in the 120, we're going to go up to Shemayim and they're going to say, hey, why didn't you take better precautions to protect other people from getting sick? You got so many other people sick. We'll never know that. And that's why we have to be extremely careful. If somebody has symptoms, forget whether you're vaccinated or not. It's a totally different discussion. If somebody has symptoms, they shouldn't be going indoors around other people, period. They shouldn't be going to shul if they're sick. If they have symptoms, they shouldn't be going to shul until they know that they don't have COVID. It's, it's because the hushos. You don't know who else is in shul. You don't know who's around you. If you do go, you must be masked. You have to stay away from other people. So, you know, in, in, the, in the hospital, we stress to employees, to doctors and nurses, if you're coming in sick, don't come in. We're better off taking care of the patients without you than with you because you could be, unfortunately, getting other people sick. The same thing applies to all aspects of life. And for people to say it's just the cold without having any reason to assume that, there are many, many people who have told me, oh, I thought I had a cold, and then I got tested, and I was positive. Meanwhile, three or four of their family members have to go get monoclonal antibody infusions. Uh, there's a panic. They, they ruin chasanas. They ruin other family events because all of a sudden half the people can't go. And a, a little bit of precaution would have prevented all of these sorrows from happening. Not every sorrow is that Rahman will find somebody die. But if people can't go to a wedding, if people can't go to a, a family simcha gathering that everybody was looking forward to, and now, unfortunately, people are sick and they're potentially spreading disease and, they, and it ruins the family simcha, that's also something to be aware of. We have a few moments left for my Dr. Aaron Glatt. You mentioned weddings, and from what I've heard, that even with people vaccinated, it's been super spreaders in some of the weddings, but people want to go, the masks are down, you're eating... There have been large events, big, big weddings. What do you recommend? People want to get back to normal. They're vaccinated. They're usually precautious. But when you're eating, your masks are off. So what does one do? So, again, it's, it's not a simple this is what you do answer. Every individual could be different, and every wedding could be different. I've been at weddings where I've been comfortable eating without a mask on, and yet I'll, I'll put a mask on for the chuppah. I've been at other weddings where they're all outdoors, and I think it's a very comfortable setting. The hope is outdoors. Uh, they're spaced apart. I, I, I don't think a mask is necessary in those situations. But if I was a person who had severe underlying medical conditions, I still might want to wear a mask under conditions where for another person it wouldn't be as important to wear a mask. There are other situations where I absolutely would still wear a mask. I'm Baruch Hashem.
And yet, why put myself into a situation where I don't know that the people in the room are vaccinated, I don't know the health of the people in the room, I see people around me coughing, it's not a safe place to be. And I wouldn't want to be in that situation if I had any choice. And therefore, it's appropriate for people to decline such invitations if they feel uncomfortable and to go be as a Hashem if they do feel comfortable. But not all people can go and not all people uh, should be scared to go. And it depends on numerous factors. The most important is your own personal health and your own personal vaccination status and who you may be living with. If the person themselves is Baruch Hashem healthy, but their, their spouse is not, or vice versa, or they live with older parents, or they have a child that's, that, that has serious underlying medical problems, so then they probably should be much more careful than someone else. And you got to look at the venue. you got to look at the actual facts in front of you and be prepared. I always carry a mask in my pocket, and I'm never afraid to suddenly put it on. And I'm also I'm not afraid to take it off if I think it is safe not to. Now, is there any – can you just also clarify the difference in the quality of masks? Because some people say the cloth masks are not really that effective, maybe 20% effective. So the other ones are much better, but yet you see the majority of people wearing you know, the paper masks or the cloth masks. Yeah. I think, I think the data, there's a study published from Bangladesh that was a superb study, and it did seem to suggest that the three-ply surgical masks are probably the best masks that lay people should be wearing. There is no reason for lay people to be wearing an N95 when they go out to Smachot. I sometimes find it funny. You see a person with a big bushy beard, uh, a beautiful Jewish pundit, and he has a big bushy beard, and they're wearing an N95. It, it, it accomplishes, I don't think, much more in, in, in that setting than just wearing a regular surgical mask, a three-ply surgical mask. But I do think that a three-ply surgical mask is a better mask than a cloth mask. And if you are using cloth masks, a three-ply cloth mask is possibly better than less. And again, I, I think that the tighter the fitting on the face, every person is different. The same surgical mask when somebody has a thinner face May, may not be as protective as somebody who has a more full face and you, you make a good seal. So every individual, again, has to wear the mask properly and try to make as tight a seal around their face, their, their mouth, and their nose, not just the mouth. And to wear it around your neck is uh, decorative, but it serves zero purpose whatsoever from preventing illness. Final question. There was a period of time where I heard where COVID can all center through the eyes, is, but I haven't heard much about that lately. Is that well, been... probably it's true. It, it is true. In the hospital, we recommend that all physicians, nurses, healthcare workers that go into a patient's room uh, who's suspected of potentially having COVID or indeed has COVID, that they absolutely wear eye protective uh, gear, either uh, goggles or a face shield, in addition to their mask. So the eyes are in uh, a definite route of potential transmission. It's unclear what benefit. Um, it, it, it provides in a, in a standard routine setting, like in a, in a shul or in a, in, a, in a social hall or something like that. But um, again, when you're dealing with known COVID positive people, when people have to take care of a family member with COVID, I do recommend that in addition to masking, they should ideally wear eye protection as well. Uh, a plain pair of glasses might, I put the keyword there, might provide some protection in that respect. It will prevent somewhat direct on potential exposure, but it does really nothing for the exposure that comes from the side or from the top or the bottom. But there, there is a study suggesting that just the plain eyeglasses might provide some protection as well. But again, for most routine settings where you don't have a known COVID patient in the room or somebody is 
suspected of having COVID, we feel that just masks alone as a routine public health measure is probably adequate. Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glatz, thank you for being with us, giving us some insight. Uh, it's important because people have to be concerned with safety. And what I'm hearing is that people are saying, you know what? I've been doing this for the last 18 months. I just can't do it anymore. I'm willing to take the risk. I'm hearing more and more people saying that. I'm sure you probably hear the same thing. And you're saying not to let down your guard. I I think that the person who wishes to make sure that they don't get COVID should still remain extremely cautious. Um, Again, every individual will have to make certain decisions for themselves. But uh, a fully vaccinated person taking a booster as appropriate uh, who doesn't put themselves into unnecessary uh, situations uh, that are high risk. So I think life is almost back to normal for those people. Baruch Hashem in shul, with shiurim, with davening, I think you can make a very safe argument if the shul follows certain guidelines that Baruch Hashem shuls are not a major place where uh, COVID is transmitted. Again, in private social settings, it all depends on the private social setting. Rabbi Dr. Ernglath, thank you for sharing that with us. We look forward to having you back. We appreciate your taking time out of your busy schedule. My pleasure. Thank you, Seth. And we're going to be right back. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk Line Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.